Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. The real harrowing stories today really revolve around the elderly. If nothing else, this COVID crisis has certainly uh, helped to focus or place a bright light on elderly care, as we've seen the case of Quebec uh, here in our own province. And when I said earlier that, you know, uh, elderly abuse and neglect probably is tantamount to the Me Too scandal, uh, although maybe not as salacious and therefore it, do- it doesn't draw the heat, but I think it's time we recognize this. Let's get Marissa Lennox in here, the Chief Policy Offer- Officer with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. Marissa, appreciate your joining us. Good afternoon. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, this is where we're starting to find out uh, how egregious some of these people are treated in these facilities. Can I I start by asking, because we took some calls earlier on, and a lot of people were saying that uh, it's because the facilities are not regulated. Can you clarify that? I mean, are they regulated in the province of Ontario or not? Well, they are. Um, So retirement homes and long-term care homes are both subject to provincial statutes. The retirement homes specifically, and as is the case with the one in, in Heron, which those are the privately run homes, remember you're paying top dollar for those, are governed by, in Ontario, the Retirement Homes Act, which effectively creates a body called the RHRA, Retirement Homes Regulatory Authority, which is responsible for regulating these homes, overseeing inspections, licensing, so on and so forth. Um, but then you start to talk about enforcement capacity of the RHRA to really carry out their responsibilities and duties of the many hundreds of homes across the country. And then it starts to become a little bit more challenging to do so. Is uh, staffing also, it falls under those regulations? No. So there aren't any mandatory minimum staffing requirements in homes. That's something that CARP has been advocating for is looking at ratios or even of a bare basic number of hours of care that is expected. But remember, we have to remember the difference between long-term care homes and retirement homes. Retirement homes often have people that are fully autonomous living in them and who don't require any degree of care. Um, whereas in long-term care homes, there are certain basic standards that homes are expected to meet pursuant to the Long-Term Care Homes Act. So things like showering, changing, bathing, administering medication, the level of mobility, cognitive ability, those types of things need to be cared for in long-term care. But in retirement care, those same standards don't really exist because a lot of the patients or a lot of the residents rather don't have such extreme needs necessarily. You could. It's very possible, in which case you would enter into a contract with the home and the home would be expected to carry out some of those responsibilities and where there is a breach or where... Um, someone's responsibilities aren't fully fulfilled, there is a degree of recourse, but again, they would go through the RHRA, they wouldn't go directly to the Ministry of Health. It's a very complicated process. Yeah, I was going to say, because uh, we're when we were taking calls earlier, uh, some people were saying that, well, working in these homes, you've got minimum wage workers, and perhaps uh, because of a lack of PPE, uh, there may not be the commitment to a duty of care, and when we saw in the Quebec case, a lot of people just decided to uh, stay home, and they abandoned their post, and then you had orderlies, three on a floor for 60 people, uh, 
I mean, are these things something that uh, obviously fell through the cracks, uh, now need to be addressed? It's uh, become quite evident, obviously, the care wasn't there. How do you see it? So it's a big issue. Uh, There has been chronic staffing shortages in our retirement and long-term care homes for years. And it's so regrettable that it took a pandemic to start having a national conversation about it. Um, We do know that particularly during a pandemic, these things are exacerbated because you're right. Uh, If someone is sick, they don't show up to work. Maybe they're afraid because they aren't equipped with the proper PPE. Um, Obviously, provinces and homes are scrambling to get as much equipment as is possible. And, and, you know, our frontline workers, they're heroes, really, at the end of the day. They're the the ones that are putting their lives at risk and going into these environments where over 50% of the deaths in Canada have been in these in these communal living environments, you know, the ones with with uh, with older adults. And so um, at the end of the day, though, staffing shortages is a huge issue. And it really is up to the ministry to start mandating some degree of consistency um, and, and, and trying to meet the needs of, of the residents in these homes. Yeah. And especially in these for profit homes. Certainly in the for profit homes. I mean, it kind of varies. One of the biggest challenges with what we've seen in Quebec is obviously the circumstances around that case are so unique. The operator was, and I would be remiss to speak out of terms having, without having the full scope of the investigation, which is currently underway. But the obvious, what's quite obvious is the, is the operator was clearly grossly negligent, did not ensure that there was enough staff at on hand to meet the care needs of the individuals. One of the you know, collateral damages as part of this is the other retirement homes that are doing a good job. Um, obviously, it means that families across the across the country are probably afraid for their safety. The truth is a lot of retirement homes and a lot of long-term care homes are taking very good precautions to make sure that the residents in these homes are safe. We're not saying that every single home is unsafe. Um, what happened in Heron is is despicable, it's horrific, and hopefully there are criminal liabilities as a result, but it's certainly not happening in every home across the country. Let me ask you finally, what do you make of the new guidelines that were set out today? Anyone entering should wear a mask, uh, limit volunteering to essential services, all items have to be cleaned, disinfected, you can only work at one facility, uh, Meal times should be in solitude, uh, anything we're missing there? No, so those are those are important guidelines, um, and it's interesting that it's coming from the federal government because typically, uh, you know, overseeing retirement homes and long-term care homes is a provincial responsibility. So the government, obviously, the federal government, obviously feels like there is a need for them to step in and, and to uh, introduce these guidelines. Of course, they're just guidelines; they're not uh, mandatory. There's no really there's no way of necessarily enforcing it. You hope that the homes take it response take it seriously. Um, with respect to the practice of staff working at multiple residences, this makes a whole lot of sense. Um, there are staff that work at private residences and later go to retirement homes, and this, this does increase the risk of spreading infections. And as we've seen, families are barred from visiting patients in some of these homes, but you know you have nurses and you have care workers coming in and out of the homes. This obviously presents a serious threat to the residents. So I think what the guidelines suggested all were very common sense, made sense, uh, guidelines in this environment and that homes should be taking it seriously and should be implementing it. Uh, the only barrier would be making sure that the homes are fully equipped to do these things, making sure that the care staff are fully equipped with the proper PPE equipment, making sure that care homes are systematically uh, conducting testing. We know that that uh, has a huge impact on trying to mitigate the spread of disease in these homes. 
Yeah, and the Premier uh, mentioned as much that they're prioritizing testing or hope to uh, for the homes and the people who are working them uh, so as we know exactly where everybody stands or what their status is. And so uh, it just isn't, you know, a contagion spread because of ignorance or uh, really being in the dark. Well, it was great to talk to you and get some points clarified here. Uh, It's, as you said, unfortunate. It took a pandemic to uh, really focus on some of these uh, shortcomings when it comes to care for the elderly. Uh, We should all hope that we can do better, and we hopefully will going forward. Marissa, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it. Marissa Lennox, Chief Policy Officer with the Canadian Association of Retired Persons. We'll come back in hour two, uh, hear a story of a bylaw enforcement officer. Uh, Got a little overzealous, shall we say. Uh, But the social distancing thing, again, uh, maybe it's left to the arbitrary whims of people who are now empowered by the community. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.